<laughs> All right, welcome. That's Dan. Welcome to the Monday Minute of the Hunchback Country Podcast. This is going to be a different episode. As you can tell, it sounds different than normal. Uh, this is Mark. I'm joined by Steve and Jakey Poo. Have a check. Have a check. Have a check. And we are sitting in a hotel room, huddled around a microphone. In between Sheep Show and Shot Show. So we just flew from Reno to Vegas today uh, to go to Shot Show tomorrow. So we are going to do Q&A and talk a little bit about what else is going on. So first, Sheep Show. Takeaways. It was a good show. We had fun down there. Got to, you know, a lot of these shows are networking you know, just meeting new people, connecting with old friends. That's um, we did a booth at Cheap Show last year, and was it's kind of just okay. And we're like, ah, you know what? Let's just pick. Let's go back next year and not have a booth and just have fun. And that's what we did. And certainly had a lot of fun the last few days. Got out, got some, did a death hike training thing. wasn't that big of a deal. A couple but, of us did. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Jake's got some issues. Um, broken toe, <laughs> a floating bone in his foot, literally. Um, yeah, we had a good time. Product-wise, there wasn't a lot going on there, as far as like, oh, that's a cool new thing from Company X. I think my recap: Phone Scope has their new Phone Scope adapter, and it looks pretty impressive for me. The some of the features to it, everybody saw it. I was like, ah, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, it's the, you know, Allen has some, a good accessory mag, mag, mag view, mag view has a cool one. Both of those rely on putting an adapter that stays on the spine scope and it reduces, um, well, essentially just takes your eye further away from the glass. And I'm, when I'm glassing through a spine scope, when I zoom in, I have to be, the, um, eyepiece has to be all the way threaded down. Otherwise that, um, I'm seeing, you know, I get like kind of the black rings that go around the side of the the image. So I got to have um, that all the way down. And that's one nice thing with the phone scope system is that doesn't really stay permanently attached. So it had some cool, it was a nice upgrade. I think I've, I've been using it, but also said how frustrated I was a couple times with that accessory because um, it could have been designed better and they, they made it better and it looks really good. Mm-hmm. Other than that, uh, Kinetrek came out with a new boot that I s- just kind of walked by and caught my eye and I looked at and I want to check out some further. Um, and then that was kind of product wise. Yeah. I don't, did you guys see anything? Yeah, for me, really, the only thing I wanted to check out was um, now that I'm a big whitetail hunter guy. <laughs> <laughs> now that I killed a whitetail. I've killed a whitetail. I just wanted to kind of check out some whitetail gear. So I looked at the Cryptek. Kuyu booth just checking out their whitetail stuff but just kind of what you said there wasn't that much or that many uh, companies having some gear on display like the Sitka booth didn't have their whitetail stuff on on display so with it being uh, um, wild sheep shell I figured they wouldn't have it there but no how about how about you Mark gear wise not too much I mean definitely that phone scope has potential mm-hmm. um, I'm excited to try it for sure yeah, it really just stood out to me because when we were there last year, we had a booth, and so I didn't get out to really walk the floor much. So I didn't have a good feel for what 
what the floor looked like at Sheep Show because I was mainly stuck in our booth. And uh, yeah, I realized after this one, it's like, man, if you take away, if you took all the booths and then you take away things like guide and outfitters and then some auxiliary stuff, like if you just talk about it being gear companies, it's, it's not a lot. No, it's 20 to 30% of the booths, which is fine. It's just, I guess I realized more that it's not a gear focused show in a lot of ways. And I think that whole community around sheep hunting in general, but especially sheep show and the wild sheep foundation is pretty tight knit. And I think it's more of like a marketing, not sorry, not marketing, a networking and like social event. Yeah, absolutely. More than yeah, anything. And the show's auxiliary. Yeah. And the show's totally auxiliary. Yeah. yeah. So it was fun though. It was a blast. Yeah. I had a really good time. Yeah. It was great seeing familiar faces, people that you talk, talk with on, on email all the time and being able to just chat with them mm-hmm. and finally meet them. It was a great time. Marsupial came in clutch because I forgot to pack a belt on this trip and my, je- my, my jeans I kept hiking up and I was like, oh, actually I said, I was like, man, I wish I could get a belt. And you, Steve, was like, oh, marsupials here. They have belts. I was like, yes. So that was my gear takeaway as yeah. I was able to buy a belt from marsupial. And <laughs> they saved my pants, literally. What else? The amount sheep tags are going for is disgusting to me. <laughs> I, I mean... $600,000 someone paid to kill a ram in Colorado that everybody knows exists. Like, yeah, I don't, and that's why that it goes is, that And high. then the cost yeah. of like stone sheep hunts and it's just not, I don't know. I think it's all stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the outside of the exhibit, the show floor every night, they have events and dinners and auctions and, we sneak well not sneak in i think the auctions are open but they happen after like a private dinner which we don't go to but it is interesting to sit and observe the auctions which include everything from sheep tags to rifles to purses purses (laughs) things things for the women um who are there so yeah it's a it's a wild environment to witness what all happens there it's pretty fun so we flew from reno to vegas today just played some golf actually yeah, under the lights for the first time ever there's like a course a par three course where you can do night golfing which was a lot of fun yeah and it's it, fyi it's like 11 o'clock at night right now yeah um we got done with that had ate dinner and then now we're back here at the hotel room yeah so that was a lot of fun jake put that together kudos <laughs> yeah congrats on taking first place kudos well, you know i had to show you what's up <laughs> Uh, SHOT Show, we don't <clears throat> don't have a massive agenda. Obviously, Steve, you can talk to a lot of, like, what we hit, like, the biggest value for us isn't the main aspect of SHOT Show, what people think of SHOT Show, but what's called the Supplier Showcase. So what is that? Correct. Why is that important to us? Yeah, the, just a large amount of our suppliers, so fabric, webbing, buckles, foam, all that have booths here representation here so we can go meet um meet people you know reconnect with people look for new stuff it's it's a really the uh, the the biggest benefit of coming down to shot show for us is because that exists they used to exist through the uh or show outdoor retailer show and then the supplier showcase came along four or five years ago something like that and it's it's just fantastic so 
just connect with everybody and then you know we're pretty open about we're always prototyping and, and looking and you know experimenting with new fabrics and things like that and so part of that excitement for me is just to see you know if is there a new company out there tomorrow that has a new fabric that i don't know exists yet because that's where a lot of the future design possibilities lay in in choosing you know new materials or a new buckle or things like that that stuff gets me pretty excited yeah i'm sure a lot of people have heard of shot show some may not realize it's not an open or public show so again it is meant for like industries and companies and like writing orders um, similar to like the Archery Trade Association show, the ATA show. So it's where all the companies are and show a lot of new stuff, but not to the public, more to dealers and things like that. Um, and then again, it's SHOT, chance f- SHOT stands for Shooting, Hunting, Outdoors, and Tactical. So it's not a hunting specific show and it's mostly kind of like a firearms tactical more military focused show but there are a lot of hunting companies um and that's part of what we do i mean i have a couple meetings with things on the military side as well for exo which is cool um and that's just massive so it's fun to see what all we'll see and again what excites me most is uh stumbling upon cool stuff yeah just like the unknown you know so um, let's get to listener questions, Jake. Tell, I guess, tell folks what we've done today, Q and A Y, so they have context for where these questions come from. Yeah, absolutely. So this morning, when we were boarding the flight from Reno to Vegas, decided to hop on Instagram and do the little "ask me a question" feature. So we had some of our followers just send in questions, and questions just ranged from from anything. So there was a few that we caught on or we touched on before we boarded the flight, after, and, and even during the flight. And then there's still a few left here that we've left uh, unanswered that we thought we could hit on, on today's Monday Minute. So I guess just rapid fire speed round. Like Boom. just yeah. go for it. And full, <clears throat> full candid here because there's some <laughs> dumb questions and we're going to hit them. Sounds good. <laughs> we are unrehearsed and unprepared. Yeah. <laughs> and this is social media. all right first one merino or synthetic base layer for extended backpack hunts what's your pick Uh, no um i mean merino definitely is going to perform better from a scent perspective over the long term i've found some really cool synthetic pieces the last few years that i've been wearing but they last, you know, yeah, I don't know, four or five days and then start smelling. And then they also just have that permanent, like the cool, uh, cool, a uh, company called Cool, K U H L. They have an air cool hoodie. It's a really nice piece that I love wearing. I've, I've owned three of them now in the last five years because after about a year and a half of wearing it, it's just permanent smell. Like the second you start to hike, you go, oh, mm-hmm. um, that's, I haven't found a synthetic that's, immune to that merino but on the other hand merino is not going to be as durable so you're not going to get if you got a piece that you've worn that much over five years it's not it's kind of time to replace it anyway so yeah um i don't think either way like find a piece that you like that fits well the synthetics the um, the ones that like that air cool and stuff they have just this 
Uh, I can hike in really hot temps. Um, yeah. I guess that's not uh, that's true with merino as well. No, I, yeah. for me that's relevant. I tend to wear merino base layers more in later colder hunts, and then in earlier hunts wear synthetics more simply because they dry quicker. Yeah. So it's like if it's archery or even like the last several years, October hunts have been mild. Um, so basically, if I'm more active and more prone to sweating. I think I've been more annoyed by Merino because it's all I wore exclusively for a long time after wearing synthetics exclusively before that. And then having gone back to synthetics now when I do wear Merino and it's warmer and I get sweaty and then they take forever to dry it just, it bugs me. Mm. Um, so I have been doing more synthetics than not the last couple of years, but I think there's a lot of preference involved. Yeah. And it's a, you can't go wrong with either choice here. This is splitting hairs. This is like choosing between Koa or Swaro in, in a lot of regards. Um, so I, I think I match the hunting application with the mm-hmm. garment. Like you said, colder weather. Yeah, I do, I do want that merino base layer. It's going to be really freaking hot. I'll, I'll go over to synthetic. Yep. And then just kind of in between is... <coughs> Flip <it down. coughs> Yeah, in between flip a coin. Like you're not going to... Neither one's going to make or break your hunt. Agreed. I know he said base layer, but just jumping into mid-layer, I would definitely side with synthetics just because they are going to be a little bit more lighter weight. And playing with, like, yeah. Merino 250 weight stuff tends to get a little bit more heavy. And bulky. And, yeah, and bulky. And then going on what you said about, you know, holding on to that moisture a little bit more. You know, yeah, they just they just tend to feel a little bit heavier and don't give you the amount of warmth that a synthetic would. So, anyways, next one. Yeah, not a good point. Jeff Bloomquist, who would win in a push-up contest? You two go right uh, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not I me. I, I think I'd that. give it to Mark. He's I don't a, know. Like you're all about the mirror muscles. That's true. We went we went to the hotel gym this morning and worked out, and your workout was much more geared towards. How about this push-ups tomorrow? tomorrow. One minute. Let's settle this. All right. Sounds all right. good. Uh, y'all going to shot show? We hey, I, if we do that, I'm game. But I will like we have to do it with proper form. Okay. I'll extended. judge. Yeah, I'll, okay. I'll video and judge. Right. Sounds great. 2BD. <clears throat> um, have any plans on hunting New Mexico or have you hunted New Mexico? No one, no. No one, no? Yes and no. Yeah, I entered New Mexico. We just did the... Shoot, did that release last week or is it... I think it's releasing this Wednesday. Uh, mm-hmm. The episode with New Mexico, uh, Department of Fish and Game. And what we talked about in there among many other things, is we've been talking about drawn applications, and New Mexico is one of those states where it's a pure lottery. So I have entered into draw New Mexico tags most years. That isn't always common stuff, though. So meaning, like, if I already have plans for September, I'm not going to enter for archery elk tags, because in the off chance I do draw it, it may not be available to hunt it. Um, But I also enter into some other exotic draws and things like that. So it is a I usually enter into something or a couple of species each year, yeah. but I haven't actually pulled anything. Yeah, same here. I think more just focused on Arizona, but yeah, um, for, for me, it's um, planning. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a it's a big issue. Where I mean, New Mexico is uh, correct me if I'm wrong here is like Idaho. There's no bonus points or right. anything like that, so it's complete random draw, which is awesome. I love that, but uh, I just like to be able to plan out my fall a lot better. Like right this. This fall is getting pretty well dialed in to like every week. Here's where I'm at, what I'm doing. 
And when it's completely random like that, it makes it tough because you got to wait till dry results come out and that would change everything. Um, so that to me, that would be not that I don't have a desire to hunt it. It's just that like I've been buying points in Wyoming forever and I'll just wait until it's like guaranteed I get the tag so then I can plan it and schedule it. You have some control. Yeah. 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 Favorite elk cartridge? Uh, Steve has the longer answer here. I'll give the shorter answer. It's a favorite because it's what I chose. Is I would say, I mean, I, I shoot the seven song, but I would I do think any seven millimeter Magnum is a great choice. Whether that's seven song, seven PRC, seven rim mag, etc. Not just for elk, but just kind of as a do it, do anything. I mean, that is my pick. But Steve's wasn't your didn't you do talk about basically pick a bullet and a bullet weight yeah and then work backwards from that like mm-hmm. i mean i think there's a lot of you know sense that's made there right mm-hmm. like it's not because to say cartridge is well and that's I mean, why I think... everything is like so much splitting hairs here at this point where it's like a yeah. hundred feet per second here with this cartridge or that cartridge i mean it's all to me it's all not ridiculous, but there's so much crossover between mm-hmm. even the smallest to the biggest. Like mm-hmm. they're all going to perform probably really, really close. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so that to me, me, that's where I just yeah. struggle. Like I, I just want to shoot that. Uh, I've been half serious, half joking that I'm going to take like a, a 243 and go kill a bunch of stuff this year, like elk and moose and mountain goats. Yeah. Cause I know with proper placement that it's going to absolutely do the job. Yeah. That's why I say. Good, and, and more importantly, a proper bullet choice. Yeah. That's not going to fragment. It's going to penetrate, retain its weight. Um, people get caught up in weight. A lot of things that don't matter or matter on the extreme fringes, right? Like, mm-hmm. We're all going to, you know, you're chasing something that's like bullet performance at a thousand yards when in all reality it's 99% of your shots are going to happen between 100 and 400 yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's why, like at the end of the day, like if people are debating it, like to shift gears, like 6.5 Creedmoor versus 6.5 PRC. The vast majority of people are shooting the same bullet. <laughs> that cracks me up. Like, oh, 6.5 PRC, that's just fine for elk. But Creedmoor, oh, that's too small. Yeah. It's the same damn it's bullet going 200 thing. feet per second slower. So if you want to make that argument, what distance does that then exactly. happen? Right? Like, oh, exactly. I, a PRC, oh, that's fine. Yeah, you can shoot an elk out to 700 yards. Oh, a Creedmoor, oh, you're 300 yards. Like, no. Yeah. Like, there's a point there where the velocities are identical. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I, I can go off on some tangents there. Yeah, I agree. Moving on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 65 PRC for me. Uh, Wyoming pronghorn for my wife's first big game hunt or something else? I don't know. I don't know if you treat that like any different than if you were to... You want to make that enjoyable, right? First big game hunt. You don't want it to be a suffer fest. You want a high chance of success most likely i don't argue with like that point of that's probably a pretty guaranteed you know tag mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think the thing there is it's not like you don't have to backpack you don't have to have this crazy difficult yeah. physical experience it doesn't is generally going to be 
I don't want to say target rich, but like yeah. you're gonna have good opportunity. Right, yeah, good right? opportunity hunt. Yeah. So it's I don't think there's anything special about antelope, obviously, but I think it's a very accessible hunt for a newer hunter, whether that's your wife or a buddy who's new to hunting or something like that. I think it's a great choice. Yeah. One guy said, What scope cover do you guys use that also covers the trigger? I think he was asking that question because there was a previous question on instagram where somebody asked how i attached my rifle to the pack and we shared a picture and in that picture i had a scope cover maybe Mm -hmm. yes i did um it's from a company called ls wild and they just call it their scoped action cover um i'm not a huge fan of like massive rifle covers that cover the whole rifle or the barrel or everything but this one essentially is as the name implies a scoped action cover it covers the scope and the action, period. So it just wraps around, going to give you some coverage on the scope, um, the action, the magazine and trigger area. Uh, yeah, it's a cool little thing. Well, I don't take it on every hunt, to be honest with you, but there's times where I do. Why? Um, I would consider taking it more when there's higher level of moisture, especially freezing moisture just because you're going to keep that action from like freezing up a little bit um, and potentially keep some moisture out of it. That's the main one. I actually, on my sheep hunt, that specific picture, I was testing one that I asked him to build for me because he generally builds them out of 500D Cordura. And I just asked him to build a really lightweight one. Mm. Um, So it was only like two ounces. Um, I don't know that he's selling those or building them all and i don't remember the exact material he built it with but i'm not saying anything bad about him but i will say that after doing that a very lightweight one is not going to last very long Mm. okay yeah this one's a good one i think (laughs) likely to soon be an exo customer what's the biggest thing that sets exo apart from others (sighs) um attention to detail uh, pops to mind all we do is make packs K4 I spent three years tweaking modifying perfecting we I don't know that's a we're, we're a different company I think that than any other company out there that exists um, in a lot of regards, um, I I always just <laughs> put them on and hike with them, and and what works for you works for you. Um, and I feel confident that ninety nine percent of the time, if you get a compare to apples to apples, you're going to take an exo pack with you. Anything to add there, Mark? Uh, I mean, we could talk a long time. When I hear that question, my head goes in two directions, and you mm-hmm. mentioned both, Steve, but like. One is the product. We could talk about how XO and the pack is different than others. And then one, we could talk about how the company is very different than others. Yeah. Um, and we could talk extensively about both of those. But yeah, I it, again, like <laughs> we generally say, try it. Don't take our word for it or look at independent, non-biased reviews or look at real customers who've had experiences with us and let that track record, I think, speak for itself. Yeah. 
Any thoughts on an all-in-one day bag or an upland vest? No. Like, I'm just going to continue to work on and perfect the hunting, the backcountry hunting pack. Yeah. All-in-one pack. I mean, the entire reason we started EXO was to build a super lightweight, durable, comfortable pack that you could wear all day. I mean, we are a backpacking company. That's That's the type of hunting that we love to do. So it's geared towards... Throwing your stuff on your back, going in there for three, four, five days, a week, whatever, killing something and coming out. And the the idea of like a light pack that isn't as capable to haul heavy loads just doesn't like compute with me. Like it's not. Yeah, we get that question. Like I want to build a travel backpack, you know. And we see, Lord, I see that all the uh, here at these shows, guys walking around with you know essentially glorified Jansports. Um, and just not, this is not something I have a desire to do. Yeah. Which yeah. thank you, by the way. Like it's because we do get those questions a lot and it's cool that people basically want to buy yeah. more stuff from us. Like, no, Hey, yeah. will you guys make a day yeah. pack? I'd love to have one. I'm like, yeah, that's great. But no. yeah. In the bigger picture of the, the operations of EXO, like we, you know, I were six, I'm, I'm the seventh employee, right? Like we're a small company. Do you not count? It, Are we six or seven? <laughs> um, and we strive on efficiency and being extremely lean. And our hotel phone is lean. Ringing? <laughs> are we, are we too loud? <laughs> that was weird. Wrong number. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we really focus on being lean, and and frankly, like or um, you know, we're just or, yeah. Uh, we're coming up on the 10 year anniversary, which is pretty cool. Um, and EXO is very unique. <laughs> this was extremely apparent and just chatting with other people in the industry and other companies. And they're just kind of a, I say a mess, but they got a lot going on. Um, always trying to do this and that and this and that. And it's like, we're just focused on keeping things streamlined, efficient. And that we've said this multiple, multiple times, but make the best damn backpack we can make and take care of our customers. And that's our goal. And we're not trying to make, you know, school backpacks and duffel bags and all sorts of stuff. We're just staying in our lane and focused, extremely hyper-focused on, on making the highest performing backpacks that we can. So going on top of that, I got a good question. Somebody asked uh, if we're working on any more K4 accessories, staying along the product side of things. Yeah, there's a couple things that have been on the list for a couple years as far as like things I want to do with K4. Nothing major. We don't, I mean, it, the packs to me have to function very well on their own without loading up with a bunch of accessories. So there's not a lot, and they do that. So there's not a lot that needs to be added. Um, but we'll have a, a few things that I'm chipping away at, like the. Um, I was working on like a cell phone holder last year that I wasn't happy with. I need to kind of get back to and revisit. There's a whole system based off of the crib that we'll continue to develop. That's going to come out in the future. Um, a few other small things, but nothing, nothing major, nothing earth shattering, just complimentary stuff. Staying on top of that. Another guy can't, uh, put a question in any limited run of a K4 or any, any limited colorways coming this year maybe maybe we'll see yeah i don't plan on it don't bank on it 
we are coming up on the 10 year anniversary and I'm going to do something cool. The idea of a custom color popped into my mind. <laughs> we've had that discussion. <laughs> yeah, I, we've had the discussion. I ordered, uh, I had all the parts laser cut and multicam black. I thought it would be really cool, but I've yet to build a pack out of it. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I, I don't, don't plan on it. It's kind of a going back to, you know, why we don't do other things. Even colors, as simple as that sounds, is a boatload of work. Um, we gotta, yeah, th- there's a lot. We essentially run our so shop at 120% capacity and any adding anything on top of that adds complexity, slows things down. There's, there's a lot of opportunity costs for us to do things where just staying, you know, keeping things as is, we get very predictable. Things are easy to manage and run. We do a limited color three years down the road. Somebody, I, oh, I bought this used pack and I'd like to get this hip belt in this color and we don't have it. And then you have an upset customer at the time. So it's tricky to do those limited color runs, mm-hmm. but it's also fun to do. So, yes, yeah. I mean, it's, we're, you know, every decision we kind of just weigh back and forth the pros and cons and like, all right, yeah, let's do it. And, and sometimes it's, there's not a lot of, just do it on a whim like all right let's do it and sometimes it's like nah, i'd like to do it but it doesn't quite make sense right now so that's the long-winded answer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think it's a good like we talk about a lot of stuff and talk about a lot of stuff and weigh a lot and try to make really good decisions and then decisions happen fast yeah. whether it's yes or no but it only happens fast after we've deliberated yeah, for a I, while. I, yeah. there's a lot of yeah that's a good way like there's a a boatload of thought that goes into things, but then sometimes it just comes down to like yes or no, last yeah. last minute. I'm like, all right, let's do it, and then we go for it and make it work. And nothing's perfect. Sometimes we, you know, go ah, we shouldn't have done that in hindsight. And sometimes like, oh man, I'm so glad we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one we saw this one on the plane, and I know we've done a podcast, or I know you guys have probably talked about this, but this is the cool thing about the Monday Minute is we always get new listeners. But so. Obviously, this guy doesn't know, but he asked the question, where'd you guys come up or where did you come up with the name Exo Mountain Gear? So the original frame that we built was built um, very much to mimic the human skeleton. So spine and like the spine is your central structure and then ribs popping off of that. And I was Cody Callum from Born and Raised Outdoors, very good friend of mine. I was on the phone with him. He's a guy that I... You know, we're constantly like confiding in each other, right? Like I call him up, like ah, I'm struggling with this. Like you got any feedback for me, and and vice versa. And I was like, we're looking at trying to figure out the name of the company, and I was describing the frame, and he's kind of like, oh, like an exoskeleton. I was like, yeah, yeah, exoskeleton, that makes sense. And then so that exo stuck in my mind, and then I quickly looked it up, and then the definition of exo is just to be outside, so outside of. And I was like, that's a cool fit. Like we are. At the end of the day, you know, none of us are, I don't know, I don't say trophy hunters, but don't, don't get caught up in that. Like, I just, just love being outside, backpacking, experience nature, hunting animals while we're doing it. And so that just fit really well. And then adding mountain gear on top of that was, um, yeah, just seemed to be a good name. So we did gear specifically because it's like, well, we don't want to be pigeonholed into saying Exo Mountain backpacks uh, for the future. But 
as time went on, it's like more and more like, no, that's, that's what we're doing. Um, and who knows? I mean, I'm not, I'll, I'm a never say never guy like the, yeah, I don't know what, maybe we'll come up with something in the future that I feel like is a worthwhile add to the market. But everything we do is based on like, you got to make a good product that, um, I was talking with somebody about this the other day. You, if you can make a product that improves your customers' lives and could be a placebo effect, could be actual effect, but improves their lives, then you've got something that's sustainable and a, and a company that's sustainable. And so every product we do is going to be certainly held to that standard. Like it has to be better than what's on the market, uh, has to make their hunting easier, whatever. So, you know, we get questions like, I'd love to have a duffel bag. And it's like, I like, I don't have anything there to, to add to that world, right? It's a, it's a bag that holds your clothes while you travel. Um, yeah. That answer the question? That answers the question. Okay. How are we looking on time? Let's just keep time. rolling, let's just, man. Let's or, do it. Yeah. What right. else are we going to do, Jake, if, if, if we stop the podcast? This was another one <laughs> that I know you wanted to answer as a video, so we're doing it here on the pod. Okay. If you were to try and create your own vinyl harness, what would be some things that you'd try to improve? Yeah, another subject here. Bino harness. Like we get that question a lot. The industry is very small. Everybody knows everybody, good or bad. And I have like I've told a lot of the binocular harness companies, I'm never gonna make a bino harness because I'm not gonna step on your toes like i don't need to make a harness i don't have anything to offer there's a lot of options out there um so yeah i don't really have a whole lot to add to that other than there's some great there's so many really good options out there and what you yeah what your preferences are you just pick you want front open rear open um as a designer i look at things sure and go ah they, i wish they could have done this better or that better but yeah, they could do that to the packs too. Like, they, yeah. you don't know. Like, there's certainly like things with all design. There's compromises, and you gotta find a balance there. And you're not gonna hit every single bullet point you want in a design because whether it's you know ability to manufacture or cost, materials, things like that, it's it's a constant kind of back and forth between picking those. Mm-hmm. Not a question, but a request. Please make a mid-range 3500 to 5500 bag with the integrated lid. So, like a 2200 with a lid? Is that what he's asking to? Like a, a bigger 20, a bigger, yeah. a bigger right. 2200. Yeah. Um, maybe. He didn't say no, folks. <laughs> he's a never say never kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> outdoorsman tripod and heads. Any, or have you had any experience with outdoorsman tripod or heads, or, or are they overrated? Uh, I don't really have experience with them. We were just talking with Chris Denham and Kevin over there for Wilderness Athlete, and and um, they're all associated together. Um, great guys, really like them. We're actually we're talking a lot because we're doing the death hike this year and the the Grand Canyon rim rim rim, and those guys have done it in the past. So we're bouncing questions off of them, and yeah, I, they I think they are a great group of guys and passionate about hunting and passionate about making really good products. So I don't, I don't, I've not personally used what they've got. Um, but I 
have no doubt that they're building it to the best performance that they can. Yeah. yeah. I think part yeah. of what like comes into play there is they're they're from Arizona, that's where they primarily hunt and there's a different style of hunting that relates very heavily to glassing in Arizona that can be different from like backpacking, right? Mm-hmm. So like historically they've had more aluminum stuff, they've been a little bit heavier, they've focused more on supporting big optics, whether that's larger objective binos or even like giant, you know, BTX spotting scopes and things like that. And we're typically looking for something a little bit lighter in terms Mm. of what we do. And I know that they've expanded that and like have more carbon options. Um, But I think because of like their origins are a little bit different than ours, we just haven't used their product as much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This question's from our good buddy Nolan in, in Alaska. Favorite North American deer species and why? Harlequins. <laughs> <laughs> That'll make Nolan That'll very be. happy. <laughs> right now. Nolan's a duck guy. Uh, uh, favorite North American deer species? Yeah, I don't have mule deer because that's what I grew up around. Yeah. yeah. I grew up around whitetails. But I also love Alaska and have great experiences with blacktail. And unlike you guys have had really good experiences with blacktail meat. I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know For this lame answer, but this goes back to like, I think a lot of the way that I look at things and I think it's similar for all of us is it's much in a way it's less about the animal and more about the experience and the adventure and the place. So for, me, it's not that I think mule deer are cooler than whitetail or cooler than blacktail or what have you, but I guess my experiences and memories tied to hunts, I have cooler experiences and places and memories tied to hunting Kodiak. Hmm. That awesome uh, answer. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, my. I struggle at these shows. I remember talking about this in the past, where especially sheep show, because it's like, oh, look at this ram that was killed. And it's like, they literally, you know, they know it exists. They 20 people follow it all summer long. The hunter shows up. They pull the trigger. And it's like, I don't care about this. Like, what was the adventure? What was the experience? So th- those are the things that matter. Like, when you look back, I don't know. I guess I could just care less about inches of antler on the wall and i just want to hear stories and so favorite north american deer species it's it's exactly what mark just said like which one next year can present the coolest opportunity to go hunt and find an adventure and right. that's where i'm at yeah i mean i think for me I, I i look back at all the hunts that i've been on and each each animal that i've killed like Whitetail, mule deer, blacktail, they all have a special... Now that you're a whitetail hunter? Right. They all, have, <laughs> they all have a special story. You know, when I went to Kodiak, that was my first time going to Alaska with you guys, and I had a great time hunting blacktail. Whitetail last year, like, it was a whole another ball game, like, just different. When I killed mule deer, like, I doubled down. Last time I killed a mule deer was I doubled down with our good buddy Justin Carey. So they all have a good, you know, experience or story for me, so I don't have a favorite. They're all, they're all fun. Um... <clears throat> <laughs> just, just do it, Jake. Just send it. Full send. To, all right. If you had to be sticky or slippery for the rest of your life, what are you choosing? <laughs> Who asked this question? Priority hunt. Priority hunt. All right, dude. Um, <laughs> sticky or It's a simple answer when you think about it. <sighs> slippery. Exactly. 
a weird. <laughs> that's a weird question. That's for sure. But um, next, you guys going to Oregon to blacktail hunt with Born and Raised? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, Cody and I have talked about that. We did a hunt. I've gone over there twice before, had a blast, uh, but that was, um, yeah, I keep coming back to, it's like Exo's 10 year reunion and we were sitting at dinner er earlier tonight and, um, I was like, we, Jake showed a video of our death hike from Alaska and I I was like, man, that'd be cool to post. Like, it's just a random 15 second kind of clip that's quasi inappropriate that probably never made it, but it's like, yeah, it's fine. Just post it. Um, and, uh. Yeah, I thought it'd be really cool to start posting pictures over the last 10, 11 years of stuff we've done that, you know, just kind of behind the scene things. And that, yeah, going back to hunting with Cody and blacktail hunting, the very first time I did that trip was 2014 when we had the first prototypes or the first production packs. And some of the photos I remember from the very first Exo website, the main slider image was me down there in Oregon hunting blacktail and um, yeah, we'll, uh, love to do that hunt again with those guys, but, um, yeah, we'll see. Right on. Well, I got two more left. One's just the question and then two I'll cover. But last question is who's going to have the best golf score at the Exo golf tournament. I think we know that now. Oh, uh, Mark just won. We played uh, <laughs> under the lights tonight. Mark won, beat me by three strokes. Beat me by 50 strokes. <laughs> <laughs> Best. Jake did. Jake went into the sand. Oh, man. And that was, uh, like, my abs are going to be hurting tomorrow because it was, like, 15 strokes in a row. Just right up into the lip, back down. Right up, back down. If the Exo awesome. Golf Tournament consisted of the three of us, it could be a close competition. But of mm. people who actually show up, I have no chance yeah. at all. I'm not yeah. a golfer. Yeah. <laughs> So those were all the questions, but I did want to just say we got a lot of comments just about people saying how, not a question, but really looking forward to seeing how this Alaska adventure oh, unfolds. Really? Oh, cool. Week. I think we got at least four or five mm. you know, people saying that, just really looking forward to uh, see how yeah. that turns out. Yeah, me too. Um, excited for this project. We're going to, frankly, it's one of the... Uh, we're always creating to-do lists and things like that. And right, that's something to, uh, we put down to accomplish while we were down here in Vegas, sitting in the hotel room, just hanging out is sipping on some whiskey and BSing some ideas on like what we want to do with this project. And it's kind of infinite on the avenues we could take and topics we can dive into. And right now the general kind of thought process would be take, the top 10 top 20 gear items that are in your pack that you're taking with you on a hunt uh, specifically for alaska hunt which is going to be like a little bit more demanding than your lower 48 stuff and just dive into them head first and whether that's one video one podcast or 15 you know on a certain subject like the the whole rifles and choosing bullets and cartridges and building a rifle and rifle scopes and that's just a whole can of worms that we can kind of go down and and um, explore and like i said for me not afraid to you know like I, like one video i want to do with rifle scopes is mount up like four or five of what's considered to be the best and beat the crap out of them and see which ones hold their zero um, and be 
open about it and candid and like this is the experience I had and um, so much of unfortunately so much of um, the industry is bought and paid for and you know negative things are hidden from the general consumer and um, that kind of infuriates me so it's a chance to just be very candid and kind of exposed for um, different products and just yeah, weeding through it cool what uh, I think we mentioned briefly, but I don't, are we at a spot where you can say exactly what the plan is, hunt wise? I think you've thrown oh, it out yeah, there. Oh well, yeah, yeah. So it, nothing's nailed in stone yet, right now. But we've got a really cool caribou hunt planned that is involving. It's actually where I cu- killed my doll sheep a few years ago up there. There's some big old poles that live up in the middle of nowhere, and diving into the maps and logistics, we're gonna fly in, grab a raft. Uh, bring a raft with us, float a river, park, hike quite a ways, um, up and over into some country, kill some caribou bowls, pack them out, float them back out to a strip, fly home. Uh, if that happens quick, we're going to run over to Kodiak, kill some deer. <laughs> um, we'll see. And then uh, we've got a moose hunt and then mountain goat hunt. Basically, if, if you watch Mark's mountain goat film that we did last year, It'll be that same exact country, same guide, Mark Roanhurst with Limitless Alaska. Limitless yes. Alaska, yeah. yeah. Um, going to go do that goat hunt. And then also, you know, there's going to be a lot of, like, spring bear hunt. We're going to throw some stuff in there, get it started. Cody from Born and Raised is coming out. We're going to do some elk hunting. Just going to be, uh, just pack the camera this whole year and, and just show a lot of content. I've got a lot of... Um, idea just behind the scenes stuff that you know we just don't take the time to share not that we don't want to it's just you know we're getting busy running a company and day-to-day stuff and um yeah it's just gonna be a really cool year if you're a fan of exo i think you'll appreciate it because you'll get a look behind the scenes in a way that you certainly haven't before in the past cool well, if you guys hear that and it strikes any questions or ideas that you guys want to see or want us to uh, add to that, whether that is on the podcast or like in some of those future videos, as always, reach out. We want to make sure that we cover what you guys have interested in. So as usual, or easy to get a hold of, you can send an email to podcasts at exomountaingear.com. You can look for a link in this show's description that says leave a message and you can leave us an audio message. Uh, but yeah, we're actually gonna, we're gonna keep chatting offline <laughs> and actually plan some of this content project and uh, get the chat show tomorrow. So thanks for tuning in. Again, we do have the full length episode coming out this Wednesday with New Mexico Game and Fish as that series continues. More to come in that series with Idaho and Montana as well. Um, so again, just thanks for the support. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.